Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. How you doing, Will? Hey, Gordon. Good. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Pretty tired, but had a busy, good day. Excellent. Well, it's good to, good to end the day here with you. And today we're talking about a, a topic that's, I think, intrigues a lot of people. Uh, topic of extinction. Uh, and extinction, I think it's, it's fascinating when you think about all these creatures that once roamed the earth. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's a, an interesting group of creatures that were, many of us were fascinated with, especially when we were younger, the dinosaurs and others. But also, uh, there's some more recent ex- extinctions too. And so we're just going to we're just going to dive in here and share some of our, our, our interesting um, uh, or t- a little bit of stories about these creatures that we would have liked to have seen. And yeah. Maybe you want to flesh that out for well, us a yeah, little bit more. Yeah. You know, I threw out this idea of uh, what, if, if you could bring something back, you know, something that's extinct, whether it was recently extinct or a long time ago, uh, and bring it back, what, what creature, what animal or even plant would you like to experience in the flesh, uh, in its wild habitat, see its behavior? Because we, we, we often see pictures, maybe it's a stuffed animal, because um, they may have recently gone extinct and we've seen it in the museum, but we've never really seen it walk and behave and eat and feed and nest or whatever it did. And so that's, that's what I'm after. What would you like to see because often artists will render these things in a certain way and you just don't know, other than the general shape and size of the creature, right? what, what it, even what its color was, especially for the, the, the dinosaurs and, um, you know, what patterns, you know, there's a lot of artistic, you know, license that goes into, you know, doing colorations of di- dinosaurs. And it's like, what were, the, what were they really like? What were they really like? And, uh, uh, so yeah, I'll throw it out to you first and what, what, what animal? Well, you, as you, as you guessed my, earlier, my, my guess is it's, it's gotta be a bird. <laughs> it's gotta be a bird. Uh, and I, it's hard picking one, of course. Um, but, uh, well, then one don't. I've thought, <laughs> one I've Pick thought about a lot, I, I do, I, in, uh, I kind of want to know what a dodo drumstick tastes like. You know, it would have been neat to experience that. So you, yeah, you, you are the ones that put it into extinction. You ate the drumstick of the last dodo yeah, on we, Mauritius Island. We don't have much, we don't have much to go on with the dodos. Um, so I, I decided to go with first here, the passenger pigeons, uh, and passenger pigeon is a, it was a, a kind of an iconic American species, um, new numbering in the billions, um, in the. In, around the early 1800s, uh, throughout the 1700s. And so this bird in the eastern United States, uh, some of the folks guessed th- that it made up up to 35 to 40% of the total number of individual birds in the nation. So this thing was very numerous. And, and there are all these tales of flocks just darkening the skies during migration. Uh, hundreds of thousands of birds in flocks. Um, which I've never seen anything yeah. close to that. Probably yeah. starlings I've seen. Yeah, starlings and murmurations. You see some lots of thousands of birds. But like I've heard that some of the flocks were, because it darkened the skies, you're definitely in the millions. In the millions of a bird. Um, yeah. And then they, when they descend on the trees, sometimes the combined weight of all of the passenger pigeons would break the branches. And uh, of course, 
number of reasons they went extinct. I think the last one went extinct in 1914, I yeah. think something around there. That Martha. Was Martha. And she died in the Cleveland Zoo. Yeah. And so, but what were the main reasons for all of the wanton slaughter? Yeah, there was this there was this hunting well, ethic of, yeah. at, or lack of ethic <laughs> at the time where um, it was just popular to to load as big a, a wad of metal scraps into a into some type of barrel and just blow them out of the sky. They, right. This happened in the Chesapeake Bay a lot with hunters on on kind of makeshift barges uh, shooting these cannons at waterfowl flocks and just seeing how many they could get at once. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that was tolerable to enough people that it was fairly common. Right. And that was happening That was happening uh, with the passenger pigeon as well. And so there are reports from the 1870s of, of flocks of 50,000 being killed uh, in a day and yeah. uh, for, for multiple days in a row. And this was, uh, I would say, one of the reasons you, uh, we chatted about earlier. One was for the, the plume trade. Uh, it was fairly common and popular amongst the the higher ups in society to decorate, adorn themselves with bird feathers. Uh, on the ladies' hats particularly. Ladies' hats I in particular. I think there's some men's hats too. But yeah, lots of bird feathers in the hat. And um, then pigeon uh, pigeon breast for food. Uh, mm-hmm. Squab, as it was called, was, is a, considered a delicacy by, by many folks. And so it was a, f- a food source uh, as well. Uh, there are also some reports that just the the... Um, the conversion of, of forest land to agriculture impacted the, the habitat of the birds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah. all, it's a, a bunch so of meat, compounding so factors. And, and feather trade is uh, probably the two biggie. Yeah. And then just the general um, sort of a, a, a twisted, I think, um, you know, today we, we take for granted this conservation ethic. It was starting to emerge in the mid, you know, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Gifford Pinchot, yep. um, Aldo Leopold, those late, guys. Late 1800s. Yeah. And, and into the 1900s. Yep. But we, you know, we take for granted that, that conservation ethic that's sort of in our bones and DNA, but back a lot of just your rank and file people, including Christians, just like, whoa, we have dominion. We can just, you know, load up and, you know, and it, obviously we know as Christians, it's okay to hunt and do all of these things, but there was just sort of a disregard for is this is this behavior of slaughtering buffalo bison sorry yeah bison or beaver or sea otter or whale I mean it was just not it was more about what what's the um, my profit margins you know yeah. how much can I how much dough can I rake in yeah by harvesting as much as possible without really regard for is this going to be a practice that we can continue uh, in perpetuity without completely demolishing them. And, and I think we realized often too late that it was just on this, this, de- this rapid decline to where unto extinction. And we've learned our lessons. Sometimes we learned it earlier and we were able to bring various animals back from the brink of extinction, but Others right. we didn't, but I, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, have we in an earlier episode, but the main thrust, if we have talked about this or conservation, the main thrust here is more, what is the, you know, just from a, um, whether it's a emotional or nostalgic 
I satisfaction, just kind of curiosity just, just, and the, yeah, the, the satisfaction and joy. The joy of just of seeing, seeing this animal. That, yeah. Not so much, um, oh, it'd be great to bring it back because we were stupid enough to, you know, rub it out of, of existence, but just what would really thrill you to the core. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was mentioning, it. I would just, I would love to see migrating passenger pigeons, flocks, landing in, uh, in a forest full of American chestnuts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of, that, that, and watching them build their nests, watching them feed their young, uh, and just getting to see those little intricate details um, would be would be really a joy. Yeah. yeah. How about so, you? What do you? Well, you know, I don't know where you stand on the the ivory billed woodpecker. Yeah, I had quite got... a few friends who went down there to look for it when they they sent out uh, they sent out a a job ad when I was in college trying to get college students to go down there and hunt the swamps. They were paying them summer wages to go hunt the swamps because there was a, a, a there was a reported audio observation of the ivory build back in kind of the early two thousands. So about twenty years ago, there was another big effort to head down to the swamps of of Louisiana. Do they have any glimmers, any Sasquatch sightings, and, and, or ivory builds? <laughs> I mean, yeah, ivory build swamp sighting. thing. So not a not a one. Not a uh, one. So they sent a ton of folks down there, um, and. There were there were zero, uh, there were zero visual or and, audio. And this uh, is where where again? What state? Uh, I I know there was some for they needed to go old growth Tupelo. Yes, kind of interior interior bottomland hardwood swamps. And how about like even Louisiana? Anything? I believe I believe it was mostly Louisiana. Uh, their a range originally uh, included included in probably a lot of Louisiana, Arkansas, and Mississippi. Okay, yeah. And the ivory build, very similar to very the, the pileated, pileated woodpecker. Right. It looked like sort of pileated on steroids with yep. with uh, a bigger, whiter, or whiter beak yep. um, instead of the, it's a pileated, has a dark beak, right? Or not. I don't remember. I don't remember anyway, what color the beak that, is. Very yeah. similar. And yeah. And that's a, that's a more recent extinction yeah, that here. Is, yeah. Getting to something a little more, well, less recent, um, I would, I would really like to see a particular dinosaur. Uh, as a kid, I really, as many kids, you have this dinosaur phase. And in the mid-60s, when I was growing up, um, I would ask my mom to buy certain brands of cereal that I knew had dinosaurs in the bottom. I don't know if they do that anymore, but you open the box of cereal and then tip it sideways and reach down there and grab your- Your sugar-coated your, dinosaur. Yeah, your sugar-coated dinosaur. <laughs> You know, and your dinosaur would smell like that cereal for a while. Uh, and I would collect all these dinosaurs and play with them. And one of the, my favorite, I learned quite a few. I'd have my dads help me sound out the names because the uh, names were usually embossed on the tail, like cast in the plastic yeah. cast. Yep. You'd see the the name ankle, uh, Ankylosaurus. Or that was, that was my favorite. Okay. Uh, or the... Parasaurolophus. Um, I'm not even sure if I pronounced them right because as a kid, you know, you wouldn't have a paleontologist telling you how to, uh, you know, at hand in 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 your closet telling you how to pronounce <laughs> it. But some of them you knew: Triceratops, Stegosaurus, things like that. I would. One of my favorite was the Triceratops, and uh, I I would like to imagine that it was a docile uh, herbivore. That even though it it could you know, a- amply defend itself against any attackers with those massive horns on its 
nose and on its shield. I would love to be able to come up to a uh, a triceratops and mount it. Oh yeah, and sit sit on the the uh, right behind the shield and just mosey around with it. So that that was that was that's one extinct animal that I would thrill to see, and you know just to give the plants their due credit. I would like to see the equicetum. Now, equicetum is actually a lot. There is um, a small equicetum, several species of, they, they often grow on roadside uh, with fairly moist soil. And they're just a sort of a weird, you call them, the common name is horse, horsetail. Yeah, they're strange. They sort of have a, a bamboo-y look. Mm-hmm. They have these um, straight green, greenish stems with nodes. And then they're, they don't have leafy leaves. They just have scale-like leaves at the nodes, a little, little whirl of scale-like leaves at each node. Yeah. And you can pop, pop them apart like um, at the nodes, they pop. Yeah, they're kind uh, of modular. Yeah, they're modular. So you can pop them apart at the nodes and then stick them back together again. Yeah. So those are called horsetail uh, or equisetum. And there's extinct ones that are found in the fossil record. That were huge, like, like how the big? 50 feet tall, and they were more tree-like. Wow. But they still had the equisetum or the horsetail anatomy and morphology. And um, I've just, I like botany. I'm more of a zoologist, but I, I like plants a lot. And yeah. uh, some of the weird plants, particularly, especially their life cycles, just fascinate me a lot. Mm. So, uh, yeah, equisetum or horsetail. The, the extinct kind, I yeah. would like to see. They often are pictured where uh, you go to a museum of natural history and they give make this beautiful lit up diorama of these weird, big, you know, hulking salamander-like amphibians uh, <laughs> walking around in the swamp with these big, weird-looking plants. And often they, uh, they make these models that very lifelike models of equisetum in those dioramas, if you've ever been to a, a museum of natural history showing, of course, an evolutionary time scale, and they'll say 400 million years ago, here is what parts of the earth looked like. And so, yeah. But anyway, you know, while you're riding your triceratops, which maybe, what, maybe it was one of the livestock, maybe when the Lord was in Genesis, where it talks about the different types of creatures, yeah, the, maybe some of those dinosaurs were. Were livestock probably yeah. the herb- herbivores were yeah. maybe the Brachiosaurus and the right and the, that would be another cool one. Diplodocus um, and it would be cool to see a, a large group of grazing right dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, we kind of like that opening scene of in Jurassic, Jurassic World Park. Yeah, you, you where Doctor Grant same Doctor Grant uh, in Jurassic Park. Yep. had the same fascination with Triceratops as I I did, and because uh, you know they find the sick one and he's hugging it and. Yeah, um, I would have been riding the the Ankylosaurus. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite by far. And I didn't really think through you big, know, big shield, turtle like, almost like a turtle like back. You know, it's like you know, armor, these armor big backs, plates, big plates, and then these and spikes then the, on the sides. And then the Iron Maiden for a tail. I know that or huge the, club. Oh, and I, I can you imagine just getting clobbered? Oh no, I, I would, I would just harness that thing to to attack the bad guys. Right? Oh, and I just, know, but man, no, if it got grumpy at you, it would knock your block off, literally. Absolutely, they're they're really kind of shocking looking, and I I think I think that's why I was always amazed by them. It just looked 
so unlike anything else mm-hmm. that we see today. And that's, I guess that's kind of the draw for some of the dinosaurs just as the, mm-hmm. is the, the, the mass of, of these creatures. Yeah. Um, it would, it'd be neat to, I also thought it would be neat to just kind of see that scene, a scene with, um, with actual, uh, woolly mammoths. Oh yeah. Woolly mammoths would be amazing to see. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, there's. And there are people working on that and we'll have a future episode about de-extinction yeah. and the, ex- the woolly yeah. mammoth is kind of, uh. Species number one for, right. there, I there know are two or three several, teams of scientists that are yeah. actually trying to bring these things I know, back. and I know that <laughs> they were, I said, I think it was like several years ago, they said they were working on it and they thought it maybe three, five years. So it, it might, I don't know, are, to, are, are they getting look, close? I, they've been talking about it ever since I was an undergrad. And so that's at least, you know, 25 years. Yeah. And so uh, I haven't wow. looked in, into it recently, but we'll have to do that. I'm just wondering, and again, you'd have to look at the genome, but I'm just wondering if, if you slowly adapt a lot of, there's a lot of phenotypic plasticity, which is right. phenotypic plasticity means that the environment induces certain genes that are hidden away. And I'm, I, obviously you can't stick an elephant, African elephant, and just stick it up in the north and, and expect it to live. Right. But if you slowly work it up to where you get, a combination of selection and a combination of phenotypic plasticity, whether the mammoth, I don't know. I have no idea. I yeah. may be blowing smoke right now, but whether there's actually the, the genetic, the potential to actually get the, the elephants of today to. To that phenotype. To that, to that phenotype. Yeah. If you, is that whole library there? On, is the library there for yeah. the woolly. Yeah. Uh, mammoth or is it completely has have all those genes been lost right through uh, adaptive radiation right or yeah. mutated where um no longer the 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 genes for the the northern adaptation of you know the big heavy fur and bigger bodies whether it's been lost through de-evolution or yeah whatever yeah. But anyway, something, um, the other one, this is a bird. You should be saying this, but I'll take it anyway. I'd love to see the moa uh, of New Zealand. Yes. You've been to New Zealand. I've been to New Zealand. Yeah. The, the moa, land of giant extinct birds. Big, huge birds. And I, I do like big birds. I remember when I was, uh, one of my first teaching jobs, actually my first teaching job in Salt Lake City, uh, I took my class to the Hogel Zoo, and uh, in one of the atriums where you walk through from one area of the zoo to another, they had this emu. I mean, it's obviously emus are alive today in uh, Australia and yeah. sort of an ostrich-like um, bird. It's a, what do you, what do you call these? Oh, ratites? Ratites. Um, so it's so a ratite like the reyes, yep. emus, and ostriches. And this emu was about six feet tall. And it would just, it was really friendly. And so you'd walk up to it and you'd be looking at it right in the face and you could, and it loved to be rubbed on its neck. Oh, wow. So it had all these sort of sparse feathers or, well, not super dense feathers. And you could just kind of, and, and the neck was like, 
<laughs> three or four feet long and you could just kind of take the right both, yeah you could take your hands and just run it down starts its neck kicking and, its leg oh no i mean it just it just loved it that's cool it loved that uh, is really being, cool being pet like that and uh so i don't know if uh, a moa would let me do it probably just you know kick the uh, stuffing out of me um so the moas weren't the biggest ten, bird what? oh yeah the elephant the bird. elephant bird of madagascar I think was Huge. twice as big as the moa. Well, how so big did the moa? Didn't it get up to over two hundred kilograms? I don't know about the height, but the, the, the elephant bird got even bigger. Yeah, I don't know 500 how five hundred kilograms. I have to look up the height. I don't remember the height. Elephant there. bird was enormous. Yeah, elephant bird. Uh, the moa about three point six meters. Okay, so that would be so over that's ten feet. over ten feet high. And I'll have to I'll have to look up the elephant bird here. But yeah, just large. There's something interesting about. About flightless birds, I mm -hmm. think that is kind of intriguing. Yeah, um, kind of like the dodo, kind of like uh, yeah, and a dodo is in the pigeon. It's in the pigeon dove family. Yeah, big, huge. Yeah, columbiformes. Odd. Yeah, columbiformes. This this creature has. I'm what, sorry, you, not the pigeon family. In the pigeon order. Pigeon, pigeon order. Pigeon dove. Um. Yeah, columbiformes. No, it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, it'd be fun to catalog all of the different variations that, you know, different types of creative people have, um, different ways they've, they've depicted these extinct creature, extinct creatures we really haven't seen much of. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, you know, like National Geographic, they're kind of notorious for this, uh, depicting mm -hmm. some creature and just giving so much creative license that, yeah. um, yeah. gives a false impression of what exactly. we actually know. You know, we some a lot of these creatures we only have a sixty percent complete skeleton. Yeah, much less the skin and color, the, skin the posture, color, the habitat, the feathers. If yeah. it did have feathers. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that we could go on and on. Maybe uh, when we wrap this episode up, we'll all of a sudden remember. Oh, man, that's what's going to happen. Oh man, I should have talked about this. I and know. That and the other thing. So, yeah, I think that now you can just maybe. Uh, scroll through some of the extinct animals yeah and see which one you would like to uh uh see in in the flesh and what i'm looking for in the new heavens and the earth new earth i have high hopes that god will bring back de-extinction yeah and bring back a lot of those creatures that we that we either went extinct through you know environmental changes or but I'd say most most of them went extinct because good old uh, hu humans uh, were were not exercising proper dominion. Yeah. But anyway, no, I like that idea. And so, yeah, find find out about some extinct creatures maybe that lived near you. That's always interesting too. Yeah. Is just finding out that there's this cave west of your town where there's a dinosaur fossil that was. And that creature lived there mm -hmm. uh, pre-flood, and yeah. that's just kind of yeah. That, it's a fun, fun way to spend, uh, or a fun way to uh, kind of approach this topic of yeah. extinction. All right, Gordon, thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll see you. See you next well. time. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's n-o-e-o science.com. <laughs>